We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, March 21st. I am Nick Whalen. In just a second, I'll be joined by Mason Ginsburg. He's a writer for BourbonStreetShots.com of the ESPN True Hoop Network. Had a really fun chat with Mason. We talked about the Pelicans' expectations for these final few weeks, the boogie trade, Drew Holiday's future, Jordan Crawford's recent run at the MVP, and a whole bunch more. It was a good time. Mason has a ton of really good thoughts on what New Orleans is going to be doing this summer. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, I'm now joined by Mason Ginsburg. He is a writer for BourbonStreetShots.com of ESPN's True Hoop Network. If you're in the NBA Twitter game, there's a pretty good chance you've probably heard of Mason. He's a great follow for Pelicans news and general NBA takes as well. You can find Mason on Twitter at Mason Ginsburg. Mason, appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to join me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I know you got to get to Pelicans Grizzlies tonight. Uh, we'll try to keep this going at a brisk pace, but I always want to start with some background information are you from New Orleans originally? Uh, yeah, I am. So I live in Chicago right now. That's okay. a post, post-grad school uh, consulting gig up here. But uh, I am from New Orleans, lived there for the first 
25 years of my life. So big time New Orleans basketball fan. My family got season tickets with the Hornets at the time back in 2002 when they first uh, got to New Orleans. So really spent my uh, spent a lot of my uh, high school days uh, at the New Orleans Arena, now Smoothie King Center. So been been attached to the team for a while. So hard to hard to separate. No, for sure. Very cool. I mean, how long have you been in Chicago now? A year and a half, closing in on two years this summer. Okay. Okay. Very cool. During that time, I guess the Bulls haven't really done anything to try to win you away from being a Pelicans fan. <laughs> no, as uh, as difficult as it as it's been in New Orleans uh, up until this uh, recent uh, Cousins trade. Right. Um, now that we s- still got AD, and the Bulls haven't really uh, been. You know, I, I I hang out, watch games uh, a couple times a month with a few of the uh, Bulls writers, and they're equally frustrated at times. So, <laughs> not 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 great uh, overall. So your Twitter bio uh, is in the hours and hours and hours of research that I did uh, in preparation for this podcast. Your Twitter bio tells me that you went to the University of Tulane uh, for your undergrad and then did your MBA at Texas. Uh, having been at, at two D1 schools, where do your college sports allegiances lie then? Ha. Um, whenever possible, Tulane, but that's often not the yeah. case. Um, base, baseball, uh, Tulane's usually pretty decent. Uh, football and basketball, not not so much. But you know, Texas hasn't been Texas has been pretty average this this year. Um, but you know, that's it. UT is a fun a fun university to follow from a sports perspective, typically. But uh, so hopefully, better better things are ahead, especially with with Shaka. It was a disappointment of a year with 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 Texas. I don't follow college basketball too intensely, mm-hmm. but um, you know, the lack of lack of strong guard play for UT, it, but I, I still have, I still have faith in uh, in Shaka to to help turn things around over there. No, I think so too. I, I actually looked up, you know, if there were any current NBA players from Tulane because I couldn't think of anyone off the top of my head, and it was a little bit of an underwhelming list, I'll say. I mean, the, the <laughs> only one, the only one that I've heard of, and this is a, according to Basketball Reference, there have been eleven. ABA or NBA players who went to Tulane, Hot Rod Williams, who <laughs> is just a name that you hear, I think, because he's named Hot Rod. Like I don't know anything about him. Uh, I mean, did Tulane have any like really iconic college players, even you know, when you were growing up? No, I mean, Linton Johnson's the closest thing you get recently to a to yeah. an NBA talent. Uh, I mean, my most memorable experience from college basketball at Tulane was watching Memphis play. And that was with Derrick Rose and oh, right. uh, and. Uh, who was it? Uh, Chris Douglas Roberts was he on that team, and Joey Dorsey, who you can sit you can sit up front, pretty close to the front, with at any Tulane game you want, and so you got to see that that beast of a human being up close and personal. So that was probably the most fun. Tulane kept it close for half, and then kind of got the do- doors blown off. But um, but yeah, not not much on the Tulane side of things. Now I love Joey Dorsey back in the day and CDR too. I mean, I'm Rotowire's up here in Madison, Wisconsin. So I grew up being a Bucks fan most of the time. And we had we had Chris Douglas Roberts for maybe a full season. I don't know. He's undergone quite the transformation from normal looking baggy t-shirt wearing Memphis player to like you never know what you're gonna get in terms of hair or accessories <laughs> now. Yeah. All right. So, how long have you been covering the Pelicans? Uh, you know, whether it be for Bourbon Street shots or any other sites. Um, so, I started uh, a college buddy and I, uh, my my best friend. He is in New York now, but we started a uh, a sports blog just about New Orleans sports for fun. Once we graduated from Tulane, just as a way to you know keep in touch and 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 do some coverage of the the stuff we love, just like a you know, entrepreneurial, just for no, for no reason, but just for fun for us. And then I actually jumped on with at the hive, um, which, you know, was SB nation for the, uh, for the Hornets for under a year and then jumped on at Hornets 24 seven, um, 
which is the which was the troop network ESPN troop network affiliate for the Hornets, and then we transitioned to Bourbon Street Shots when got the when we became the Pelicans. So you know, it's been about since I mean since 2010 2011, so for a while. Okay. Okay. How so? Being you know around the team at the time that they changed the name, like how was that received when it first happened? Um. There, there were some people who liked it, some people who didn't. Uh, I don't think it was that uh, traumatic, not nearly the uproar that's been caused recently. I don't know how familiar you are with the, the minor league baseball team that, that, that the Zephyrs became the New Orleans baby cakes. And that's just been Wait, people like, the, like that mascot thing. <laughs> sort of. Um, not not exactly the same. But, yeah, they, they were renamed the, the baby cakes. And that's been just like chaos not not that minor league baseball really matters and that's kind of a marketing ploy more than anything else because right. again it's minor league baseball but but i mean people pelicans as soon as tom benson uh bought the team you knew that it was going to be something local and the pelicans a state bird it's on the flag the state flag and so i mean it's it's fine my my biggest gripe with it i i, I kind of wanted the uh to bring back the, new orleans had a minor league hockey team years ago called the brass and they actually left kind of when the hornets came to new orleans because the, the arena couldn't really handle both teams and so I, I was pulling for brass but uh ended up being the pelicans and my my only gripe is kind of silly because that's it's that it's three syllables and because there's only one other team in the nba that's three syllables and that's the warriors you can just shorten that to the dubs when you're making a cheer so obviously the pelicans had to get shortened somehow for that and it's it's ended up the, as the pels which is fine but i don't know i overall i'm not you know it I like the name. It's fine. I think they did a good job with the logo and and the mascot. So uh, you know, it, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. I mean, people didn't like the thunder uh, mascot, thunder the thunder team name, and then they were good, and so no one cared. That's I was exactly what I was going to say with the thunders. I remember when that first happened. You know, I think I was in early high school or middle school at the time, and I remember thinking like, this is a terrible name. I hate this team, and then. You know, the season starts three weeks in and the Thunder are just as if they've been in the league for 20 years, you know, and now yep. you don't think of it at all. And right. uh, I think the Pelicans go the same way. So like, what is the, the hierarchy of sports in New Orleans? I was actually in New Orleans for All-Star Weekend, uh, you know, about a month ago now. And, you know, I felt like even with all that was going on with that weekend, I thought New Orleans did a great job. There was a lot of Pelicans representation. You still saw a ton of LSU gear, a ton of Saints gear. I saw a John Kuhn Packers jersey. Uh, like, what is the hierarchy of of sports fandom in the city of New Orleans? Like, my guess would it would be LSU, then the Saints, then the Pelicans. Is that correct? Uh, it's still Saints number one. I, I I mean, it's the the Saints have been around for way longer. It's it's a football town, um, and I'd say, I I definitely say LSU sports. LSU football. I'm not going to say basketball or even baseball, though. That they're always really good, so that that catches on. But um, LSU football is definitely ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, I mean, but it, it's tough until you have a real sustained period of success for for fans to latch on. We kind of got a, a, a quick glimpse of it when with uh, with Chris Paul and David West uh, had a pretty pretty darn good team in the late in the, you know late 2000s. Um, but, uh, then, you know, Chris Paul, uh, the ownership situation just ultimately drove Chris Paul out of new Orleans and, uh, been building up ever since and lucked into Anthony Davis now kind of lucked in DeMarcus Cousins. So, you know, hopefully the, the, the Pelicans can, can build something that fans will attach to and, and stick to. All right. Yeah. Let's get into the Pelicans. Like you said, they, uh, they tip off a little bit after seven o'clock, uh, our time central time on Tuesday night. What should be the Pelicans goal? 
you know, over this next month or so as we wind down the regular season. So not counting Tuesday's game, they'll have 11 games remaining. Um, I mean, is it more realistic to you that they could actually make a legitimate run at that eight seed or that they'll maybe scale things back and, and try to do a little bit more to retain that pick that they sent to Sacramento in the boogie deal, which is top three protected? I think it's kind of neither. I think it's just uh, – I, I think it's try to continue to build chemistry with the guys that you have. I mean it, they're not going to tank. They're not going to shut people down. I mean if they lose games, they lose games. And obviously the Pelicans, they're going to try to win. They, they want to get to the eighth seed. I don't think it's realistic. Um, I mean they're they're sitting four games back right now. They've got three games left against Denver, so that's that's pretty huge. But they only have one left against Portland, and it's just it, it, there's too much – that can go wrong. I, I just, I, it's under 5% in my opinion that they shot to make the playoffs. I thought they were between one and three and 50% back when the trade happened right after the all-star break. Cause they were, you know, they were close enough and you, 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 you made the argument right after the cousins trade that the Pelicans are definitely the most talented team of all those fighting for the eighth seed, but it's been harder to put things together than I think people expected. Obviously it's going to be hard regardless to, to add a player like cousins and kind of dramatically shift your style of play mid season. But you kind of hope that talent wins, wins over and it hasn't um, though recently they've been playing a lot better. So, uh, so we'll see. I, I just think they're going to try to figure, figure things out as, as much as possible with, with, you know, their big three of drew AD and, and cousins and, and, and do what they can to, set up for for the summer and next season right I, I agree with you that they like tanking is not really an option like even as tempting as that might be like if it was if they were you know three games out of the worst record in the league I think you could justify it but when you're you know when you're closer to that eight seed than you are to getting number one pick and you know they can get two or three uh but it, it would just be far from a guarantee you know if even if they were to lose all but two of their last you know 11 games or whatever you however you want to phrase it um so they're in a tough spot but like you said you know, they get Denver three more times um but at the same time you know seven of their last 11 uh are on the road um right. it's, it's an interesting schedule and you look back to the to the start of the season and you know it's so long ago now you forget that they started the season oh and eight and you yeah. know it's got to be kind of like man if we could have just won like two or three of those games things would be looking a lot different now yeah, and it's, I mean, it was just tough without the the, the Drew Holiday news with right. with his with his wife and the um you know the the unexpected unfortunate situation there that obviously ended up being completely okay. Uh, just you know lo- losing Drew for those first few games really put the Pelicans in a hole that it was going to be really tough to climb out of. And sure enough, I mean, it looks like it's they're not going to be able to climb out of it, even though the eighth seed is right now four games under five hundred. I mean, obviously we need to hit on the trade. Um, I, I want to know what your initial reaction was when it happened you know I think everyone was obviously surprised um but then it very quickly turned to oh my god like the Pelicans you know are in the driver's seat now they're going to make this run they're going to get to the A seed like did you kind of slow down and and think about hmm, maybe Davis and and Cousins will take a little bit of time to coalesce because I think you know at least from a casual fan perspective and and from a lot of the national media it was all right here we go all of a sudden the Pelicans are going to be right there with Denver they're going to be right there with Portland and obviously it hasn't happened that quickly Right. Yeah. I mean, it was I was blown away uh, when it happened. I was cynical at best uh, throughout the day hearing that they were working on a deal, just thinking about what are the pieces that could get a top 15 player like Cousins like what? Because it's not just about having the right trade in place with the team you're 
you're trading with, or so I thought. I thought it was also you got to beat the other 28 teams that are trying to get this player too. And uh, fortunately for the Pelicans, all that mattered was Buddy. <laughs> and sure enough, the Pelicans, it, it, the news kept getting better when they when they said, you know, Tyree Galloway, Buddy, and two first round picks. I was like, that's a great trade. Right. And then it was a first round pick and a second and their second round pick, the Sixers second round pick. I was like, that's an even better trade. And then they say the pick, the one first round picks, top three protected. Like it just, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I, 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 there's no one that can really. Call even even with the struggle so far, this there's no way you can't view this as a giant win for for New Orleans getting a, a second legitimate superstar to put next to to Anthony Davis is what this franchise is needed. I mean, it's been well documented throughout the season. People have been asking, you know, is Anthony Davis going to get tired of you know, losing in New Orleans? And uh, you, you know, you hear the narratives and you see the same storylines playing out. And you kind of roll your eyes, but it, there are some seeds of truth to it. And so it, it was a big big franchise move for for new orleans to to grab him and i was just very very excited to say the least i mean prior to that trade breaking um you know on sunday night basically right after the all-star game like in your mind you know you you know you mentioned you were cynical about it like did you ever think that new orleans was a destination i mean you know on this podcast and then everybody you know on nba twitter is talking boogie trades hypotheticals you know this has been going on since back in september october and you know, you'd run through the list of teams and you'd say, uh, this team could maybe do it. I don't know if this team would part with this asset. Like, New Orleans was a team I would just skip over. You'd, you'd just be like, oh, yes. they don't have the assets. And then, like you said, turns out all the only asset that you really needed to have was Buddy Heald. <laughs> yeah. Um, joke I made about it was that that's why, you know, Dell Demps more than all of us. That's why he picked uh, Buddy over Jamal Murray is this trade. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. I was, uh, that day I said, you, you, you need three first round picks to make this reasonable because of how little assets the Pelicans had outside of AD. And, you know, even if you're talking about sending Drew Holiday over, I mean, there's still, you, you retain Drew's bird rights, but would Drew Holiday really want to stay in Sacramento? Probably not. So uh, they just didn't have, they didn't have the assets in my opinion. And it, many other people's minions too, like you said, and we were proven all wrong when Vivek just showed his utter uh, love for, for Buddy Hill. What were your impressions of Heald? You, know, you got to see him for two thirds of a season in New Orleans, like obviously Vivek thinks higher of Heald than maybe anybody in the world does right now. But <laughs> I mean, what were your impressions as someone who probably watched him infinitely more than I did this season? Yeah, I think he was as advertised uh, when coming out of Oklahoma. I mean, you, you you're getting a guy who's you know, hopefully more NBA ready, who can shoot, knock down knock down a, th- a open three from maybe a few feet behind the arc, even, and uh, you know struggled on defense, which is was to be expected, um, shot the ball well, handled the ball decently well, um, but just he didn't give off uh, the sense that he was going to be a, a bona fide star in this league. A starter? Yeah, maybe, uh, even uh, very possibly, but uh, just y- you didn't get that this guy's really going to gonna blow up in this league sense, and that's, that's kind of what people were worried about uh, in the draft. I mean, is this guy, you know, you can pick him top 10, but is he going to be a franchise-changing guy? I mean, Probably not. And so um, would I have loved to see what he could do in, you know, in New Orleans uh, throughout his career? Yeah. But I mean, when you have an opportunity like this for, for Boogie, I mean, you can't, can't pass it up. So regardless of what happens in these next three or four weeks, you know, we, we can, well, let's say the Pelicans don't make the playoffs. Things continue as is. They show some flashes, but, you know, things don't don't necessarily click. 
do you get the sense that the Pelicans are set on on running this back with Boogie and AD again next season? I, I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, something catastrophic would have to happen to to, to try to move Boogie again. And it wouldn't be, you know, it, I think people are just assuming that he's going to stick, but it wouldn't be the the craziest thing in my mind to try to flip him again if you no, really I don't, had. I don't think it would at all. If you if you had that kind of deal, or if you had an idea of what you you know, what might work better alongside AD. I mean, it, you know, it's crazier things have happened, but I, I think the Pelicans have already sold it to the fan base and they, you know, as these two, you know, big men, uh, you know, leading the, leading this Pelicans franchise. So um, I, I think they're, the odds are they're going to hang on to them and, and try to, you know, re rejigger the, the, the roster and rejigger the, the style of play uh, moving forward. But, uh, again, I, it, crazy things have happened. Um, you know, that, so it, it, you have to say that a trade is on the, you know, at least on the table. But I, I would would call it overwhelmingly unlikely. Right. I, I would be surprised if they're you know outrightly shopping Boogie Cousins. But in some ways, I think they're kind of playing with house money because you really didn't give up that much. You know, when you if, yeah. you, if you gave up three first round picks or you know if, if you included Drew Holiday or something like that. Uh, you kind of have that obligation to see it through, but in this case, you know, it was such a one-sided, you know, robbery. Regardless of where that pick ends up this year, um, you know, he's expiring in the summer. Like, I don't think like Boogie getting flipped if if the Pelicans are five games under five hundred at, at the next trade deadline is all that crazy because chances are you're going to be able to at least get back, you know, what you gave up for him in the first place. Right. And, and the one team you have to think about when you talk about a, a possible trade is the Lakers, because, I mean, that they're they, they uh, soon after they didn't get DeMarcus Cousins, they made a major change to their full front office structure. And so if Magic Johnson comes calling and offers you a king's ransom for DeMarcus Cousins, you, you've got to think about it. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, that that's that's the one X factor I'd throw in there. I mean, everything else, uh, every other sign points to him sticking in New Orleans. I mean, two Kentucky guys. Um, they look like they're, you know, if you saw the pictures of them on the Mardi Gras floats, look like they're getting along just fine. Um, so I, I think, again, I think he stays, but if, if magic comes calling and, uh, offers you something you can't pass up, then you, you do what you have to do. So the Pelicans probably won't have a pick this year, uh, unless again, they're able to jump into the top three that'll go to Sacramento. You know, you can look ahead now to the 2018 draft and, you know, if, if it's, if this team is going to kind of go all in to make it work, with Davis and Cousins, I mean, is there a chance that they would look at maybe mortgaging that 2018 pick, you know, in an attempt to trade for a third or a fourth piece to to put along these two and Drew Holiday, assuming they bring him back? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it has to be a, a consideration. I mean, uh, obviously they couldn't they, if they lose this pick to second round, they wouldn't be able to trade it until draft day. Um, but once once the draft comes and goes, they could look to move it, and so. Pelicans have a couple interesting um, this uh, one key decision to make as, uh, on, under the assumption that Drew wants to stick around is whether they want to go uh, above or below the cap. And um, I mean, it, it's going to be it won't be easy to get far enough below the cap to make a difference. But if they really want to, they can stretch O'Mare and they, they so that they can keep Drew's bird ride, stretch O'Mare, maybe put attach a second round pick. The, they have their own second round pick still. They sent the Philly one to the Kings. They can attach a second round pick to a Jensen and move him. Maybe someone wants to take on the last year of Quincy Pondexter, who's only making uh, like three point five or four four mil. But I mean, maybe he gives you something next year. Finally, finally, kind of healthy. And so they could try to open up enough space where they can say, hey. 
take that first round pick for 2018, attach it, add maybe Etwan Moore, who's on a, I think, a pretty decent contract and has been a, a solid role player for New Orleans this year, and say and try to take on maybe some more salary and add a real legitimate fourth piece. Um, but that again, that's that's assuming that another team wants to shed uh, some a guy on a big deal they think might not be a, a fit. So it, it, you know, it's possible, but the stars have to align the right deal has to come forward and there's not i don't think there's a great chance of that so um i think the pels are maybe they've got a, again they've got that choice to make and whether they want to really go for broke and then shed a lot of salary to get under the cap or enough under the cap to make a difference or if they want to just uh you know keep drew and, and use the mid-level and stay over the cap and assuming they can keep boogie next summer they're going to be a, a cap team for foreseeable future so um it'd be it'd be nice to, to add that fourth piece uh in another fashion but um might be might be difficult to do right i think teams like new orleans have a tough time you know if you, you already gave up your pick for the 2017 draft and if you're going to give up the 2018 pick you kind of as a franchise you have to view it as all right we're doing this with the expectation that we'll be a playoff team and that pick is going to be you know maybe 23 overall right. or 22 yep. overall and it won't be all that valuable but you know, as we've seen time and time again, not necessarily with the Pelicans, but with a lot of teams, that could backfire pretty quickly. And, and all of a sudden, you know, a team like Detroit is picking second overall in, in 2003. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting spot for New Orleans. Um, but I wanted to ask you about Drew Holiday. You know, as you, as you hit on, he's unrestricted after this season. Um, I mean, the Pelicans want to bring him back. At least that's the sense that I get, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they're they're they keep this stuff kind of close to the chest, but it it seems like they're they're saying all the right things, and I think they definitely want Drew Drew back. The the million dollar question, or I guess it could be the twenty five million dollar question. What what is he what is he going to command in the free agent market? Is he a max player? And you know what what kind of contract will the Pelicans stomach uh, stomach giving him, especially when you consider that they're going to hopefully be able to max out Cousins uh, next summer. So uh, I, I I think. I think the most likely scenario is they, they, they do bring back Drew Holiday. Um, the question is, you know, a how much does it cost them, or and uh, you know, just is it, what else they can do around or besides Drew to really uh, help help this team as much as they can in the short term. Right, and, and if you let Holiday go, you know, what becomes the plan there? It's like how much better can you do than Drew Holiday, even if you maybe have to overpay him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right, right, because I mean, if, if you're letting Drew go, then you're definitely operating with cap room. But you're not with that cap room again, unless you really clear clear out the deck and 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 stretch Omer and, and trade a couple guys. You're not going to have enough cap room to really replace Drew with someone better than him. And so, even if you if you keep Drew, you you operate over the cap. You still have the mid level exception, which can get you a, a you know an eight to nine million dollar a year salary guy. Which is at least you know more to work off of than if if Drew were to walk. So um, again, if the Pelicans think that you know down the road that giving a Drew like a four or five year max is, is not the right move long term, then I mean they've got to they've got to make the the right decision. But I, I think again I think it makes the most sense to keep to keep Drew around at this point. So if they go with that same three next year, Davis, uh, Cousins, and, and Drew Holiday. Like, what do they need to add around those three to turn this into, you know, a 45 win team? I think, you know, I certainly and a lot of a lot of media people when the trade first happened, I think we kind of overlooked, you know, what the rest of this roster looked like and just assumed that the top three would be so good that they would carry everyone else. And, you know, it's tough, you know, unless you have Dwayne Wade, LeBron James and Chris Bosh in their prime, you can't fill out the roster with, you know, Mike Bibby and Eric Dampier and Zajunas Ogowskis <laughs> and make it work. And, 
you know, that is, as, as great as Solomon Hill looked the other night and as, as fun as, as Etwan Moore is at times, um, you know, I, I think they need, they need more guys around that main three. So like, what, what are realistic possibilities? Um, you know, maybe not specific names, but just the, t- the type of players that they need to round out this roster around that three. Yeah, it's a great question. It's one we've been uh, discussing a lot internally over the past couple weeks. And I think, I mean, you pretty much made your bed with Solomon Hill. Uh, you know, I don't think that's a, I don't think it's a horrible contract, but it's certainly not a good one right now. Uh, but again, to your point, he's played better recently. He's not, he's not going to throw up 30 points on re- with regularity, but uh, he's been good on defense all year. If he starts playing with a little more confidence, like you've seen recently and, and can become a little bit more reliable from the three point, three point line, then he's he's definitely a guy you can have because he's a low usage player that you wouldn't be asking to take a lot of shots. So I think what you really need if you're New Orleans is another combo guard to go with Drew because uh, you know watching the Pelicans intently and watching Drew intently over the past couple of years, he's better off the ball than as your primary distributor and primary facilitator. So if you have another combo guard kind of point, I mean, maybe more of a point guard to, to put next to Drew, I, I think that's the best fit for this team long-term uh, that uh, as far as who the best, you know, it, it's hard to say who the right guy is because you need to know how much cap space the Pelicans have, if they're going to have cap room or you know what, you know, kind of what this, what the money situation is there this summer. But um, just, I, don't know. I mean, look at you. Look at, if you're looking at teams that may be ready to move on from from the, their current players, I mean, I, I look to underperforming teams that maybe have players who are a little past the the age range that they may be looking for, like Brooklyn, Sacramento, uh, other you know bad teams with with point guards that maybe don't fit where they where they are in kind of their maturation process. Um, Jeremy Lin is a guy that we've talked about a lot. I know Michael McNamara from our site has. Uh, has named Lynn and Collison as two guys he would look at. And that's kind of, I, I think that's really the direction the Pelicans would need, would need to go uh, just to find another guy who can help facilitate and really uh, uh, take some of that pressure off of Drew and help maximize Drew's potential. Let's take a quick break so I can get all corporate on you for a second and tell you about pristineauction.com. Pristine Auction is the place to go if you're a sports fan and are looking for memorabilia for your man cave or just your personal collection. eBay's great, but with a site like that where anyone can sell anything, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And with Pristine Auction, everything is guaranteed to be 100% authentic and only from the most trusted sources. Plus, buying in an auction format makes everything more affordable. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy to register. And unlike other auction sites, it's free to bid. That means you only pay when you win. Seems like a pretty great deal. Pristine Auction has a ton of memorabilia from all major sports, even soccer if you're into that. I was checking it out earlier today when they told me I had to do this read, and I did what any sensible person would do. I immediately searched for Jacksonville Jaguars items, and I can report that I was pleasantly surprised to find some Marquise Lee signed game-use cleats for a suspiciously affordable price. Check out Pristine Auction. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Auction. Pristine Auction. It's authentic, it's affordable, and you only pay for what you win. So one of the guys they brought in recently, uh, a personal favorite of mine and a personal favorite of basketball Twitter as well, the great Jordan Crawford, uh, perhaps (laughs) perhaps best known for wearing his weed print socks to a practice uh, in Boston and allowing himself to be photographed in said socks. Uh, But as you've chronicled on Twitter over these last couple of days, 
he's been really, really good offensively. Um, you know, seeing around 15, 20 minutes off the bench and basically doing, in my mind, exactly what they hoped he would do. Um, you know, I think he's up plus 14 per 100 possessions on offense. Defensively, that might be a different story. Um, but, but, I mean, has Jordan Crawford been somewhat of a pleasant surprise so far? Yeah, I, I missed on that one big time. When, I, when they signed him... Uh, I was, I think, I think he, re, yeah, he, I think he replaced Jarrett Jack, um, on the roster. So when Jack had that in, that re-injured, got re-injured, they, uh, you know, they brought in, uh, Jordan Crawford and, uh, I, I was just, I, I thought he, we, we knew what he was and what he wasn't. And, uh, I had not done, uh, my homework and he's been, I mean, I saw his numbers in the D league, but it's the D league. So I was like, yeah. You know, he, he's past his prime and or, or, or maybe not past his prime, but we know what his prime is. And it's how is it really an, a serviceable NBA guy who can really help you? And it turns out the answer to that question is yes. He's been very solid for, for New Orleans. And, you know, the, the Pelicans rewarded him with a, uh, a contract with a team option for next year. And so um, I think he's definitely a guy that uh, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, you know, although he's not exactly the best defender, He's he's a guy who can help your bench, and I am very uh, open and, and and hope that he continues this up, and we'll you know Pelicans will keep him around next year. All right, we don't have a ton of time left. I want to get to rapid fire in just a second, but but real quickly, um, so at All Star Weekend, I was very very surprised by the welcome that Eric Gordon, uh, now of course of the Houston Rockets, received from the New Orleans crowd. I mean, I knew that wasn't the most amicable split you know with him going to Houston this offseason he spent I think five seasons in New Orleans um, where exactly does that burning resentment stem from that you know he, he was showered with booze as he came out for the three-point contest on Saturday night <laughs> it's been a, a very tumultuous uh, few years for for Eric Gordon I mean it all started with the Phoenix Sun stuff and him saying his heart is in Phoenix what the when the Suns matched the offer to him uh or the Pelicans Massey offer that Phoenix gave him, which you know was well within their rights to do so. Uh, and then he just spent a lot of time, you know, injured, and just his general demeanor really didn't. It wasn't exactly uh, the the best. Uh, he never looked truly, truly happy. Uh, and 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 there were some there were some commentary he's made now as a member of the Rockets where yeah, he he he's not openly thrashed New Orleans, but he has made it clear how much happier he is now in Houston. And, it's it, I mean, it, it rubs some people the wrong way. And it's just uh, I mean, it it is what it is. And so uh, I, I I don't really I, I, I don't personally appreciate some of the things he said, but it, it's nothing, nothing too inflammatory. It's just people getting kind of tired of it. Yeah, fair enough. I just from an outsider's perspective, I didn't realize it was that severe. I was surprised to see that reaction. Okay, let's get to rapid fire. We'll go through these as quickly as we can. Who's sure. your most underrated team in the National Basketball Association right now? Hmm. My gut, uh, even, I don't know how underrated they are, but my gut goes to the, uh, the Wizards just because I feel like a lot of people, uh, maybe more casual fans, see them as the, the team that kind of spent the first half of the year hovering around 500. And now they're, they're legitimate. Like they're, I, I think they're strong Eastern conference finals contenders. I like their team. Otto Porter has been a huge in that, um, in that kind of revival for, for the wizards. And so, uh, again, maybe not by the people who follow the NBA closely, but I think overall they've, they've kind of been an underachieving team that suddenly now is really, um, 
uh, hit the gas pedal and is playing pretty well. Yeah, the Wizards and the Rockets are the two. We, we ask that question to, to every guest we have on, and those are the two that are the most popular. Um, this is also one that we ask to every guest. Who's the most overrated team in the NBA? I think this one was a lot easier early in the year. Now that we're you know 65 games in, it's a little tougher. But most overrated team in the league? Hmm. Yeah, that is a uh, that is tough. Um, I feel like hmm. uh, I'm gonna anger people and maybe say Boston. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm uh, with you on that. <laughs> um, I, I just I I think they're like I I, I don't. I, I love what Isaiah Thomas is doing, and I think he's a, a you know he's had a great season. I, I I don't like love him being included in the MVP conversation because of just how bad he is defensively. Right. And I just I don't know I just don't see them. I, I I like the Raptors at full strength, and even the Wizards at full strength a little more than them. They've got a ton of flexibility to play with this summer, and that can change with a snap of a finger. But as of right now, I'm just not as bought in. I, I think they're a clear fourth best team in my opinion in the eastern conference rather than their their record right now which puts them at second right they're they're not a bad team they're a fun team they're going to be a 50 win team this season but they to me they they have way too many you know really good players but not enough great players i think there's maybe one and a half great players on that team and you know toronto i think has at least two you know washington has two cleveland has three and and when it comes down to it in the playoffs, I mean, there's, there's not much of a blueprint for a team like Boston with a no defense point guard, um, you know, really advancing and really making noise in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm with you on Boston. Um, OK, one through four. Rank me your MVP candidates. Um, all right. So number one's James Harden. And my rationale is probably overly simplistic, but it, it, everything is just so close between the top four guys statistically that. Uh, I just think, you know, we looked at Houston's roster and looked at how we didn't, you know, they're, they're over under and Vegas put their over under like 41 and a half wins. You look at the ESPN NBA rank and, and SI top 100 players. You really didn't see anyone besides Harden in there for Houston. And all of a sudden they're, they're a top five NBA team. And I think he deserves a, so much credit for that. And I just think he I think he's earned the MVP this year. Obviously, is a month left of the season, but I think it's. I, I, I think it's Harden. Uh, Kawhi, Kawhi 2A and LeBron 2B, they're very close. But I, I, I give Kawhi just a, a barely an edge over LeBron. And then and then Russell Westbrook uh, fourth for me. Okay, fair enough. I, I think we're to the point where it's those four, right? Like there's really no yeah. one else. I mean, I, Durant, if he was healthy, maybe. You know, Curry, if he goes crazy these next couple of weeks. But no, I think it's just those four. And, and for the record, I'm with you on those top two. Uh, Pelicans Mardi Gras jerseys, hot or not? uh i i like them uh some I, I don't like the sleeves but i don't think many people like the sleeves on the jerseys but i as a in terms of design apart from the sleeves i, I think they're i think they're pretty cool i don't own one yet but i, I will soon they they're not two-sided like the old ones were i want to say like yellow on one side and like green on the other like these are all just purple right the new ones um it's a good question i, I, I think photos as we speak I, it looks like I, they are yeah, I know they're. I mean, at least purple and green. They've got the. Hmm, I, I I guess they all they've all kind of blended together because they're they're close enough to really. I haven't noticed the differences, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Well, and they. So I I don't know if you if you know how this works either, but like they don't own the rights to like the old New Orleans Hornets jerseys, right? Like they couldn't wear those as like a throwback, or did the, did those go to Charlotte with the Hornets? I have to imagine they did. I don't know for sure, but yeah, I mean that that would make sense to me. Okay. Uh, when you're not watching the Pelicans, favorite team to catch on League Pass? 
Mm, that's good. Um, definitely not the Bulls. <laughs> unfortunately, right now. <laughs> unfortunately, I can uh, I can watch them whenever I want on cable here. But uh, I I do love Denver's fun. I mean, they I feel like they've been fun for a while, even when they haven't been good. But um, I, I'll bet that's I'll bet you get you hear that uh, relatively Denver, Denver and Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and that's yeah. yep, that's that's the other one. I mean, those I mean they've got just fun, unique players on their squad. I mean. Jokic and uh, and Giannis. Uh, I mean, those coaches. Right, yeah. uh, wait, what? <laughs> I didn't say it. Uh, no, I mean the Bucks. <laughs> the first half of the season, it was definitely the Bucks when Jabari yeah. was healthy and when yep. when Bees was doing Bees things. But with those two hurt, their their watchability with Embiid too. I would, yeah. I would assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so you know, I mentioned at the top that we would hit on Pierre the Pelican, and and here we are. So it's been a while since his grand debut, which I think was 2014, maybe. Um, but has the public, as the city of New Orleans, have Pelicans fans like finally moved past the emotional torture that was the edition one of Pierre? I think we've come full circle as because thanks to the King Cake baby, a lot of us want that one back now. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a mascot. It's supposed to be a little intimidating. And so, I mean, that's definitely not a, a wide held opinion, but I, I think there are some of us who, are, who would you know, would kind of like to see the old Pierre back, but, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think people have, uh, people who didn't like it have put it to rest and have Speak moved on yourself on that. That was a bizarre decision <laughs> by the Pelicans PR. Uh, all the, all the gifts that came out of that were just uh, priceless. No, right. That was a top 20, you know, week, maybe in NBA Twitter when, when that was hot. Um, most legendary Pelican to play 10 or fewer games for the team. Pops Menzabonzu, Nate Walters, Lance Stevenson, or Josh Childress. I forgot about Childress completely. So did I. So did I when I was looking at this list. For the record, I do not just know these off the top of my head. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this answer for my brother because my brother just he he was such a big Pops fan. I've got I've I've got to go with that one. He I mean maybe if it's for the name alone, but uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let, I'm gonna that he was Hornets though, not necessarily Pelicans. But oh. and there were there were there were, I think he was Hornets, but there are some there are some names. Uh, and Joe, Joe Alexander. I mean, we can, yeah, you can't you can't say that name around here. <laughs> oh, fair enough, but I'm still going pops. Okay, fair. yeah, it's been a long time. That had to be Hornets days. I remember him more for you know leading George Washington in the tournament back in the day. But uh, and of course, you know, in, in Milwaukee, we always have a soft spot for Nate Walters. But uh, quite a list in in a relatively short 15 seasons for the Pelicans. Um, all right, player in the league. Uh, can be Pelican or non-Pelican, who you'll irrationally love for the rest of his career, no matter what. Oh man, uh, I mean, it's still it. This is this is a boring, really boring answer, but it's still it's still Chris Paul. I mean, it, the, I say irrationally because he left New Orleans, and people don't like that. But the ownership situation was a total mess when he left, and he's. You know, you can. He's gotten a rep as a little bit of a dirty player and a, and a crybaby. But I, I mean, what he did, what he did for the city of New Orleans. I mean, it's you, you really can't, you, you can't really put in the words. It's I mean, the 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 work he did around the city, community service. Uh, I mean, and just uh, the way he, you know, really kept basketball in the city you know, after after the hurricane. Uh, it, it was. It's just. It, it was really fantastic. And so, even though the split wasn't exactly the best. Uh, you know, I, I'm still going to really forever appreciate everything he did for, for the team. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, I think we're verging on the point now where Chris Paul is becoming underrated, which is wild because it's not like a Dwayne Wade underrated where he was declining but still good. Like He's still really, really good. 
and he's just I, I think the emergence of Curry and, and Harden and Westbrook have kind of buried him when you're talking point guards in the West. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I got into a conversation like last week. I think it was Matt Moore who, who was tweeting out uh, Chris Paul's potential options. And well, I saw the one about signing for the minimum with the with the Cavs next year to, to go ring hunting. And I'm just I shook my head. I was like, that's just not who Chris Paul is. And he's still he's still a damn good player. Right. So I, I, just, I would never I would never believe he would do something like that. And so he's still got he's still got a few years left of uh, yeah. some all star caliber play. Right. I think the uh, only way he would go ring hunting is like after his next big deal is up. Yeah. Kind of do it like like Gary Payton did, you know, with the Lakers, and then he went. I think he ended up winning one with Miami. Like end of his career, like he's not going to go ring hunting at what is he thirty one, thirty two? Yeah. Not 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 yet. I want I wanted to go back and and join up with David West and and play with him again. <laughs> <laughs> um, which non playoff team would you bet your life on to make the playoffs next year? Hmm. Um, or you could just bet like a hundred bucks. Maybe not your. <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, I, I, the safe answer for you know people I share this podcast with would be the, the Pelicans, right? But uh, uh, man, I, I I think it has to be. It's got to be New Orleans. I mean, the, how the eighth seed's up for grabs right now, and and you, you give two of the top fifteen players in the league a summer to figure it out. Like how. How can that team not at least be one of the top eight in the Western Conference? I mean, maybe I'm a little bit of a homer for this answer, but I, I mean, AD and Cousins, I'm I'm gonna bet on I'm gonna bet on them figuring it out, and and the Pelicans, you know, coming to the table with a much improved uh, you know style of play and, and and roster for next year. No, that's fair enough, and I think at some point Memphis is gonna decline too. I mean, we've been waiting on it. We keep saying that though, right. and it just doesn't happen. You're right. You're right. It's getting almost Spurs-like in some ways, but you know, yeah. at some point you're going to have to move on. I mean, Tony Allen's 35, Zach Randolph's coming off the bench. Uh, they don't really have a, a succession plan in place. I mean, I think it could kind of end up being Dallas-like where, you know, they still float around for an extra couple of years, but, you know, you don't have this new guard of young players to, to kind of take over. So at some point it could be a pretty, a pretty drastic transition. But no, that's not, that's not a homer answer. I mean, technically it is, but I think it's also a good answer at the same time. Uh, all right, last one, Sweet 16, Elite Eight coming up this weekend. Uh, I know you said you're not a huge college basketball fan, but who's winning the national championship? Well, considering my championship of Louisville and Villanova has been wrecked, uh, <laughs> I just my back bracket got blown up this past weekend by the Big Ten. But, um, man, I mean, I think UNC is the best team left. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's – I mean, that's that's got to be my pick. Um, I mean, I – I always root against – I can't really explain. I root against Duke and I root against – I can explain the rooting against Kansas because of Texas and the Big 12. But uh, So I won't pick Kansas, but I, I, I'm – yeah, it's probably a safe answer, but I, I think UNC. And I think they've got you know the, the clearest road of any team left. Yeah, I think so too. As a UW grad, I'm obligated to say publicly that, of course, the Badgers are going to blow through everybody and win the national title. But it's going to be UNC. This This just feels like one of those UNC teams – that you know like they don't get the one and dones but they just kind of build everything up toward that one year where it all comes together and half the team are seniors and this this just seems like they're they're gonna they're gonna have the depth to kind of outlast everybody so i i just pray that it's not ucla i can't handle any more of the ball family than we already did well i love watching ucla and i love watching lonzo ball but you're right i mean it's gotten to the point where especially with the tournament how they cater it you know to the casual fan it's going to become insufferable when ucla is no longer playing the you know, nine fifty-five local time start game when half the half the country's in bed anyway. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. So that'll wrap it up. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Any anything you've written recently? 
Uh, I mean, we got uh, we were all all over the Demarcus Cousins edition. Uh, we still have a lot of a lot of great stuff uh, coming through the site, BourbonStreetShots.com. Uh, uh, just uh, just definitely definitely come check us out. Uh, gonna have a lot more, and we're looking forward to uh, hopefully maybe fingers crossed. Probably not, but maybe a few playoff games. But regardless, should be a very interesting next few months, especially with the offseason, seeing what, what, what steps the uh, Pelicans take to uh, becoming a real relevant force next year. No, for sure. I mean, I, I could say I would much rather watch Davis and, and Cousins go up against the Warriors than, than Jokic and the rest of the Nuggets. But like you said, you can read Mason's work on bourbonstreetshots.com. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Mason Ginsburg. Mason, this was a lot of fun. You were great. Really appreciate you taking the time tonight. Oh, yeah, I had a great time, too. Thanks for having me.